and welcome to the Weekend Booktopian, a podcast where a few booktopians get together each week to talk book news, share what we've been le- reading lately, and then face off in a deathly round of book trivia that we like to call Book Fight. You should know the run by now. I'm Olivia Frico, Senior Content Producer and Editor of the Booktopian blog, and I'm delighted to be your host again this week. So joining me today is Mark Harding, our Head of Branding Communication. Hi, Mark. Hi, Liv. Uh, Zia Kaibruz, uh, Executive Assistant to the CEO. Hi, Zia. Hi, guys. And Joel Nayum, our Head of Trade Product. Hi, Joel. Hi. Sorry, I was on mute. (laughs) (laughs) That's the most said phrase in 2020 and 2021. Sometimes you just can't find the button very quickly. (laughs) Maybe that phrase should be like the word of the year. You know, like Webster's usually do that. Yeah. You phrase you're, on mute. you're on mute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. um, thank you all for joining me. It's clearly the most important of your day. Um, it is 11 o'clock and I just got the notification on my phone of the daily case numbers, so that's fun. Uh, let's not talk about that though. Let's talk about us. How are we? Um, I actually just got a notification on my phone as well. Does everybody have CoStar? The, um, the astrology app. I'm not into astrology, but I love CoStar because every day it sends you an update that's kind of like a bit negative. Um, and today's today's update for me was venture out into the world. Can't do that, CoStar. It's illegal. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. I love it. I love it. Well, <clears throat> I'll, I'm going to share something. I have actually switched off all media about lockdown, COVID. I just basically told a loved one, tell me if my restrictions have become worse or when I can leave my home. That is all I want to know. Hmm. That's, that's where I'm at. I think that's yeah, where a I lot think, of people I are. think for mental health, that makes sense. You know? yeah. I, 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 can't, I, I can't look away. It's like a slow motion car accident or something. Oh, and you oh, just, oh, I find it very hard to not, not pay attention to it. But yeah, it's definitely getting me down. All of us. I'm in a lockdown LGA. I'm not sure if any of, uh, well, <laughs> all of Sydney now is in lockdown, but I've been in like severe lockdown for a long time. And I keep coming, watching this meme across my eyeballs. You know, it's like, I wanted zombies. I got, the, you know, a cough. I wanted a zombie apocalypse. If this is going to last this long, there's no zombies. This isn't fun. Just saying. <laughs> I don't know if zombies would have been fun. Oh, Joel, if I tell you my obsession with zombie stuff, you, you, it's not normal. And yes, I would want a zombie apocalypse. I've already chosen my weapons of choice, what I do, everything, everything. It's all planned. I've already decided to die in the first wave. I like the observation that somebody made recently that um, all zombie movies now just seem really unrealistic because there isn't a bunch of people in those movies running towards the zombies demanding their right to be bitten because it's all a liberal <laughs> hoax. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Haven't seen that though. Send them to me, Mark, when they come across them. Good chuckle. <laughs> Good chuckle in lockdown. Surely we were, was stupidity kind of a new thing or, or were there people doing this back in Spanish flu? <laughs> I, they probably I were like they just didn't it. have twitter <laughs> yeah i just i want if any history author is out there i want a history of human stupidity thank you that would be that would make me feel a lot better right now i think anyway, you should probably just pick up that. any history book yeah, I know. yeah that's <laughs> true <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh dear. Anyway, shall we get into it? Let's get into the bookish part of it and stop. No, I don't know. I don't want to say whining because I feel very badly for us all. Uh, but the more we talk about lockdown, the worse we're going to feel. So shall we just Liz, move on? I'm going to make your day. There is a book called The Basic Laws of Human Stupidity. <gasps> Yay. Oh, that is, I don't know why I'm so excited about this, but thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Look it up. <clears throat> there you go. All right. That is the first book we mentioned on the podcast. It is going in the description box. I am very excited. All right. Let's move on to the book news because there's a fair bit this week to get into. Uh, so first up is the biggest news item of the week, um, undoubtedly the release of the Children's Book Council of Australia Book of the Year winners for 2021. But since it's currently Thursday morning, we don't know the winners yet. So we're going to do a sneaky jump into the future to about 1pm Friday afternoon to hear all about the winners. So take it away, future Liv. Thanks, past Liv. I am indeed delighted to be sharing the 2021 CBCA Books of the Year with you all. Um, they've been presented by video link about an hour ago, um, since I'm talking now. And the awards were presented by people such as Julia Gillard, Peter Combe, uh, Dr. Richard Harris, um, and they're a bunch of really amazing books, so let's get into it. The Book of the Year for Older Readers is The End of the World is Bigger Than Love by Davina Bell, uh, published by Text Publishing. And the honorary books are Metal Fish, Falling Snow by Kath Moore and Where We Begin by Christy Neiman. The book of the year for younger readers is Asta's Good Right Things by Kate Gordon, published by Riveted Press, with honorary books including Stolen Prince of Cloudburst by Jacqueline Moriarty and illustrated by Kelly Canby, and Worst Things by Sally Murphy and illustrated by Sarah Davis. The book of the year for early childhood is No, Never, by Libby Haythorn and Lisa Haythorn Jarman, uh, which has been illustrated by Mel Pierce, and that one's published by Hachette Australia. Uh, honorary books include Anemone is Not the Enemy by Anna McGregor, and We Love You Magoo by Bryony Stewart. Picture book of the year uh, for 2021 is How to Make a Bird by Meg McKinley and illustrated by Matt Otley. Uh, honor books include Not Cute by Philip Bunting, and Your Birthday Was the Best by Felicita Sala and Maggie Hutchings. And the Eve Pownell Award has gone to Dry to Dry, The Seasons of Kakadu, uh, written by Pamela Freeman and illustrated by Liz Anelli and published by Walker Books Australia. Uh, Honour books include Strangers on Country by David Hartley, Christy Murray and Deb Dub Leffler, and the Illustrated Encyclopedia of Dangerous Animals by Sammy Bailey. And finally, the CBCA award for new illustrator has gone to Zeno Sorter for This Small Blue Dot. I'm just going to jump in. I love this book. Um, I remember when it was sold into us last year. Zeno is wonderful, so I really recommend that book. But of course, all of the books that have been announced as books of the year. So congratulations to all of the illustrators and authors for 2021 CBCA books of the year. Back to you, Past Liv. Okay. But here's some news that's really going to make a lot of Aussie foodies very happy. So Julia Busuttil Nishimura, the beloved author of cookbooks such as Ostro and A Year of Simple Family Food, has just launched her very own YouTube cooking channel uh, called Cooking with Julia Busuttil Nishimura. So from the looks of things, Julia will be cooking her way through some of the recipes from Ostro. Uh, she's one of many cookbook authors who've made the pivot to YouTube in the last year. Um, others include Alison Roman, Claire Saffitz, Carla Lally Music, a lot of the Bon Appetit crew. 
um, who've all moved on and all have channels and cookbooks that I really enjoy because I'm a young millennial woman and I love a stereotype. Uh, so we will, of course, link to Julia's channel in the description box. Her first video is for ricotta gnocchi, which sounds absolutely delicious. Um, so we recommend you go and check that out ASAP. Um, yeah, and you should cook check out my you should check out my new cooking uh, YouTube channel uh, Uber Eats with Mark. Rarest <laughs> order Uber Eats. Liv, I would like to say something super creepy. Is that um, I saw your little uh, pasta meal on Instagram a couple of nights ago. That looked delightful. You had a little focaccia. Was it good? It looked so good. I was going to text you, but I felt like a creep. So, but it looked so <laughs> no, good. I will absolutely send you the recipe. Um, yes, please. That'd be oh, so delicious. So please. Thanks. Creep, creep moment. Sucker for pasta. Sucker for pasta. Aren't we all? <clears throat> Truly. Uh, and Julia finally. also has a recipe for this uh, stuff that she calls everything oil, which is uh, yeah. really similar to this chili oil that I buy because I'm lazy and I don't cook it. I don't, I don't cook it or make it. But uh, is this Lulu's recipe? Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. similar it actually Chanu is. Tanu and Sarah have got to me as well. <laughs> yeah, it, looks, it looks very similar, uh, and it's amazing. So I'm not sure if she's done it on the channel yet. I, I don't think so, but. Uh, I've heard quite a few of my friends on Instagram uh, making that during lockdown because it's like fairly easy mm -hmm. and then you can put it on literally everything that you eat, yeah. including breakfast cereal. <laughs> Not really. Nothing better <laughs> than chili oil on your um, all brand or oats or whatever, whatever tickles you fancy. Sounds you can even make it in a way to make it not too spicy or not spicy. It's just flavorful. Anyway. Mm. Make chili oil. Joel, can you send that link to me too, please? Thanks. <laughs> this is a very food focused podcast. Um, I have a love hate relationship with chili oil. I love it because it's delicious, but I also hate it because when I was moving, um, I had a jar of it in my handbag. I don't know why. And it broke in transit to my new place. And <laughs> I have this massive chili oil stain on my favorite leather handbag. So, you know. Sounds about right, Liv. It's either hand yeah. cream or oil, or even like suntan lotion, if anybody suntans. Oh. Those are the, you never put those in your bag. You have to put them in like another bag. Because karma or the universe or whatever you believe in will get you with those things, especially on your favorite handbag. It won't take the $10 Kmart one. It'll take your leather one. You know? Mm. I don't know what part of my brain was like, yeah, just take, I think my flatmate was cleaning out the fridge at the time and I saw like the little jar of it. I was like, oh, I want to take that because I want to have some for lunch on my lunch. And then I got caught in like an hour long traffic. <laughs> anyway, it was a bad day. I don't want to get into it. Um, yeah. <laughs> bad times. Let's move into the last bit of book news, um, which is a big one for fans of Marion Keys. So the Irish author Marion Keys is releasing a sequel to her beloved novel, Rachel's Holiday, uh, which was first published in 1997. And it tells the story of a woman named Rachel Walsh and her stay in an Irish rehab clinic called The Cloisters and how that comes to change her life. So this sequel to be published on the 15th of February, 2022 is called Again, Rachel and picks up with the main character much later on in life. Um, so here's the blurb. Back in the long ago 90s, Rachel Walsh was a mess, but a spell in rehab transformed everything. Life became very good very quickly. These days, Rachel has love, family, a great job as an addiction counsellor, she even gardens. Her only bad habit is a fondness for expensive trainers. Uh, but with the sudden reappearance of a man she once loved, her life wobbles. Uh, she thought she was settled, fixed forever. Is she about to discover that no matter what our age, everything can change? Is it time to think again, Rachel? 
So that sounds cool. I love Marion Keys. She was kind of my gateway drug to adult literature and Watermelon remains one of my favourite books of all time. Uh, so this is very exciting news and I'm sure will be a very big deal come February. Is anyone else here a Marion Keys fan or am I alone? I've never read a Marion Keys book, but um, I, you know, I know lots of people who love her. So it, it is very exciting. They're just really funny and they like, they make you feel a lot better about whatever shitty day you're having. So yeah. Sprinkle Sounds a bit good. of humour on everything. Sounds good. And then a light reading. Light reading always has its, it's like, it's like therapy, really. You know, yeah. <clears throat> you know, engaging, powerful light reading, I think is perfect to plug in in your, in your um, reading um, um, habits, which is what I've done. And we'll talk about what I've done later. We can talk about it right now because that's all I've got for book news. Oh, can I go first this time? I always never go first. Well, I've been, I was thinking about this over the last couple of days and I was like, oh, I kind of felt a bit guilty because I promised last time I was like, I'm going to probably try to read War of Peace or like Anna Karenina or something. You know, I need, I need something a little bit more, <clears throat> you know, feel purposeful, etc. I did it. So, so what I did though. I was going to ask you, but then I was like, should I, I maybe shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to admit I didn't venture. I looked at them in the, on the bookshelf and I was like, not today, not today, Tolstoy. So what I did do, though, is I picked up a book that um, I actually got from the office. It was just um, in one of the piles of, you know, we, we get a lot of goodies at the office. Um, it was called um, The Morbids by, I can't pronounce the first name. It's either Ewa or Ewa, Ewa, Ewa Ramsey. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Australian author from Newcastle, based in Newcastle, I think, and it's her debut novel. And it, I... It was nominated for um, a Book Designers Award uh, in 2020 as well. And the, the the cover was really lovely, which caught my eye. And I was like, oh, I'm going to take that home. And so I grabbed it. And it was such, it was a light read, right? So it was, I, I usually, when I listen to you guys going, I've read these books over the weekend. I'm like, how do they get through books? You guys are much quicker reader than, uh, readers than I am. But I found this one really easy to read. And it was just a, a lovely story, like a kind of heartwarming gut-wrenching sad lovely story about you know a young woman who struggles with crippling anxiety and fear of death because of trauma she's experienced that she doesn't talk about and she's kind of band-aided her life like you know i'm i'm in my late 30s and i've done many mistakes in my life and i can remember the band-aid stages and kind of really relatable if that makes sense so she goes through she talks about you don't know what happened until kind of the lead up to what caused her to be the way she is and how she operates. Um, and it touches on, you know, mental health and, and friendship and support networks around you and how, um, you know, uh, as alone as you feel when, you, when you're in those situations or you're, you're like that or whatever the case may be, um, there is, it's hard to ask for help. It's hard to accept help and all of that because you're in your own head. Um, but the really cool thing about this book is that it was just, she was so likable, um, even though she was a total mess, um, but she was so likable. But uh, the, um, what I liked a lot about this book is that apart from it being, you know, easy to read and the characters are likable and all those kind of things, it really makes you think about, kind of took me down that fear of death type thing. And you're like, oh, 
he kind of gets that getting kind of like paranoid and go, oh, all that kind of thing. So it takes you to a little bit of a different place. And I really enjoyed it. It was a lovely read and made me feel like I was, you know, when you watch rom-coms and you kind of don't admit to watching rom-coms, but you kind of really like them. So you're like, I should be watching the documentary on, you know, the big plastic in the ocean, but I'm kind of just going to watch a bit of Reese Witherspoon tonight, you know? I, I, I always get the rom-com. Yeah, but I can't, yeah, look, I always end up doing it and I feel like, oh, you know, I'm a bit embarrassed, but then I absolutely love it. I could see this book being like the awesomest cult classic rom-com because it's got like all of those nuances in it and it kind of makes you go, oh, at the end and give you like good fuzzy feels. So I recommend it. Um, I haven't, like I really enjoyed it and I read it in like three days, which is kind of a record for me. Um, but yeah, so that's that's one. And then um, what I ended up doing is, which has been sitting on my bedside table for a few months now, is um, uh, Trent Dalton's All Our Shimmering Skies. I love Boy Swallows Universe and I haven't gotten to this one yet, but just the writing and the way he writes and, you know, the stories are just so, so Australian. It just makes you feel Australian, doesn't it? Um, and know where you are and all of that. And I just, I love his writing and I'm probably... I don't know, 50 pages in and it's just, yeah, it's, it's Trent Dalton. It's lovely. And the story of, of, it's just so imaginative. And so, um, I feel like you just like kind of dancing. It's very fluid. It, it's, I just love it. His, his style of writing and the story is lovely. I don't know. I, it's about a girl, um, Darwin, World War II, uh, a girl who, um, believes that somebody put a curse on her family and then she goes on this adventure to try to break the curse. And it's very, there's a lot of magical elements. It's very connected to the earth, to the sky. You know, I always find, you know, Trent really, ha you know, there's a lot of indigenous sort of storytelling themes that I always see coming through in his writing from, you know, the story times and stuff you hear. And I just could always in my mind when I'm trying to like visualize it, I just think, you know, indigenous art, I think, you know, Australia, I it really sort of, it's really lovely. So that's my, th I'm reading that now. So that's, I'm kind of having happy feels about what I'm reading and what I read. So I'm a bit of on a reading high. So that that's me. Yeah, I love it. Um, I really liked All Our Shimmerings, guys. I think I controversially liked it a bit more than Boys Follows Universe. Um, maybe it was just because I connected more really? to Really? That is controversial. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I liked the historical fiction element of it, I think. Um, mm. I don't know. They're both excellent books, though, and like it's you're comparing apples to apples, really. So it was just came it was one of my things. What I was like, oh, do I really? I loved Boy Swallows Universe. Do I really like if this one sucks, or in my eyes sucks? You know, it, I think you know, book books is just a preference, and some people love it, hate it, whatever. But I just couldn't help myself, and I just I was hoping not to be disappointed, and I don't think I will be. So I'm quite mm. happy with that, that it's, you know, uh, going to be equally, if not better or not equal to, to it. That's exactly right. Well, I have an excellent segue from that, if we would like to use it, which yes. is that the book I'm reading at the moment is also Trent Dalton, but it is his new book, which hasn't come out yet. Um, it's nonfiction. <clears throat> uh, I'm still, even though I'm no longer the nonfiction category manager, I'm still finding myself drawn to nonfiction. Um, it's, uh, it's, I haven't read any of Trent's nonfiction before, so I, I don't know how, what to compare it to exactly, but the ba the basic idea is it's, it's a tiny little, uh, hardback, really beautifully packaged and, 
Um, not that there is the final copy yet, but it, this is what it's going to look like. And it's it's called Love Stories, and it's basically a, a series. He sat on the corner of a street in Brisbane for two weeks with a typewriter and just asked people to tell him love stories and then just wrote them out, <laughs> which sounds like, to be honest, one of the cheesiest things that I've ever had. <laughs> and when it got pitched to us, I was like, I mean, I've met Trent a couple of times. He's a super sentimental guy, but he's one of the loveliest people you will ever meet. And I thought, okay, that does sound super cheesy, but like if anyone can pull that off, it probably is Trent Dalton. Exactly. Um, yeah, definitely. I keep waiting for like even a so, and I'm like, no, leave him alone. He's beautiful. Yeah, he's, he is. He is. He's a beautiful man. And I, I, I think, um, I think even with all of that, I still was like, is this gonna work? <laughs> and then honestly, I read the first chapter and almost cried. So it's it's one of those, it's it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful book. Uh, and I feel like it's exactly what we need to read right now. It's it's a reminder of what it's what we're missing. Uh, and also, you know, just sort of the beauty of what it's like to make human connections. And it's it it's really hard to describe, obviously. And I think it's really, really hard to talk about love without sounding like super cheesy and sentimental, but um, but it is a really beautiful book and I just, I don't think anyone would regret reading this. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a few chapters in, so I'm still early days, but it's really lovely. And I, I think everyone's going to love it when they get a chance to read it. I think he's, he, cause he's such a passionate human. He, 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 he is that right. So it's so authentic. Therefore it comes out so um, like you said, if anyone can do it, Trent can. And I totally believe it because when you read that, you kind of go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, he got me. You know, because he, he, he really just, that's what he sees. That's how he feels and all of that rather than, I don't know. And I think, and you're right, Joel, that's what we need right now. That's probably what the human race has been missing for the last two years is human connections mm. and, 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 and being distracted from what every single human searches for most of their life. And it's not, I'm not talking about partner love, any kind of love and affection and belonging and, and all of that. So, you know, it's it, tick, 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 I reckon. Yeah. It's amazing. And I, it I mean, it's, it's uh, November. It's uh, yeah. Beginning of November, basically. But the um, it's, it's very similar. I would say, it's sort of like 2021's version of phosphorescence. If you have ever read any of that, it's which was which was very perfectly timed for the beginning of the of the pandemic, where it was sort of like in the darkness, look for the light. That was the basic premise of that book. Um, and here are some things you can do to look to, to like make yourself feel better. Because this is more like um, sad in some ways, because like what we've what we're not getting, what we haven't had but how important it all is. And I think it's, it's just a really, it's just really lovely. It's a perfect book to be reading right now. I think that's cool. my current what we're, what's it's called it? love stories. Love stories. That's right. Yeah. So it's, it's only a little book, um, but it'll be, but it's, you know, it's a very quick read, but it's great. It's great. It's wonderful. I'm a very, I'm a very sentimental guy myself. And when I saw the video that the publisher sent through uh, about that book, I was like, I am hundred percent reading that. I haven't read all of Shimmering Skies, but I was like, that one, that's the trend book that I'm going to read. <laughs> Mark will hundred percent, you will hundred percent cry when you read it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Man, I was, I was, on, I was on, 
I was on a call with somebody at work uh, yesterday. I'm not going to mention who it was, but um, it's somebody who's expecting a baby um, some point soon. And I was just talking about like my kids. And then I just started to get choked up just talking about my kids and I had to leave the call. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 Man, yeah. I was about to be all like, all right, what horrific book have you brought us this week about like children eating mice or like. <laughs> this is way, Mark. Zombies. Tell me it's zombies. Vampire zombies. Vampire zombies does eating Joel, mice. Does Joel have any more books that he wants to? Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. I'm, ha I'm happy to, to pass the baton. Okay. Um, Not to Mark's well, got, I, fist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Um, well, obviously, the book that I'm going to talk about today is one that I read a little while ago, but I wasn't allowed to talk about. Um, when I read it, but it's Billy Summers um, by Stephen King. Uh, so this is his new new novel uh, for the year. Uh, and it's essentially like split into three parts, this book. So the basic premise is it's about this guy. He's a hitman. Uh, and he has to do this really big, he has to take this really big shot. Um, and basically he has to shoot a guy who's going into a courthouse on an unspecified date. He doesn't know exactly when it's going to happen. So he has to go, move to this community, integrate himself in there, get a job in an office where he can like kind of get get ready to like take the shot and everything and prepare. So it's really kind of good tension that that is built up there. Uh, and it kind of reminded me of 2263, which was his book about the JFK assassination, which was about somebody who went back in time and was trying to take out Lee Harvey Oswald and had to do the whole ingratiating himself into a community thing and blending in and everything. Uh, and so that's kind of the premise of the book. And it's, it's, um, this, uh, it's another one of his kind of crime stories that he's been getting into over the past decade or so. So uh, I don't think this is much of a spoiler, but there's not really a supernatural element in this one. Um, it's kind of more like uh, the Mr. Mercedes kind of genre that he's been writing in where, where it's more of a straightforward crime thriller. But this time, you know, obviously the difference is that he's writing from the perspective of the criminal uh, as opposed to the detective, which he's done in the past. Uh, so that's basically the premise. And then about halfway through the book, it takes a turn and something happens that turns it into a completely different story. And so it starts off as this book about a, a hitman and it winds up as this almost like a revenge fantasy road trip book. Um, and the instigating kind of incident that turns it into that um, ha it involves a degree of sexual violence, which I wasn't expecting when I read this book. So potential trigger warning for people who want to <laughs> who want to pick this one up that that something happens halfway through that could potentially be upsetting to some people. Um, and then there's kind of a third part of this book, which is that um, when Billy Summers kind of uh, embeds himself in this community, the cover story that he gives himself is that he's a writer working on a book that he's got a deadline for. And he actually writes the book. So you get this third part of the book, which is the book within a book, which is Billy Summers writing his story of his childhood and then his time uh, in Iraq um, and all of the kind of horrific things that he saw during the war. So it's kind of this mishmash of like three very different kind of stories brought together. And, you know, Stephen King can make anything sound interesting and, and hold together when you read it because he's just at that point in his career where he could just write about himself going to the toilet and it would be like, yay, five stars from like people like me because, you know, I'm just thoroughly entertained by him. Um, and uh, another really nice thing is, you know, for people who are familiar with his kind of metaverse that, that he's created, 
you know, a lot of his novels take place in the same universe. Billy Summers does take place in the same kind of metaverse as all of his other stuff. Uh, and there's a very, very, very nice nod to one of his former books uh, in here, which I won't spoil, but just keep your eyes out for it if you're a, if you're a King reader. Uh, because I think um, I think it's a really fun way that he he kind of brings it all together. So that's Billy Summers. Um, the second book I wanted to talk about um, is a book that uh, I know Joel has read, and you interviewed the author Joel. So I read um, *In Plain Sight* by Ross Coulthard, which is um, a book God. about <laughs> UFOs and UAPs. <laughs> so that's an unidentified aerial phenomenon, and I really really enjoyed this book because uh, it's not. Um, he doesn't kind of go and talk to, you know, people on farms who think they got abducted by aliens. He actually looks at what is on public record now. Um, so uh, the US, uh, if people haven't been following the story, have over the past few years declassified a bunch of documents related to UFOs and, and UAPs. And so there is actually a lot of stuff on public record now where the US government has basically admitted that these things exist. They don't know what they are, but something is going on there. Um, and so uh, he goes through kind of the, the documentary evidence, everything that he kind of covers in this book has some kind of paper or electronic trail. Uh, and then he interviews people who have connections to, to those stories and to those incidents and to those documents. So everything that he, everybody that he talks to and all of the stuff that he discusses and, and, and kind of researches is a matter of public record and are from kind of authorities on, on this kind of stuff. Uh, and the conclusion he kind of draws is like, you know, something is going on. We can't say definitively what it is, but there's something out there and it's really quite creepy. There's either super advanced craft visiting from an unknown place and buzzing the US military, which is really creepy. Uh, or there's something that's being developed in such secrecy that even the US military don't know about it, which is also really creepy. Or it's one of the most comprehensive and sophisticated propaganda campaigns of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found it, 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 it I, reading the book, I am not someone who believes in aliens like visiting Earth. But I mean, reading that book and then talking, especially talking to him, he was very persuasive, I must say. <laughs> and I left that interview and then finished the book, uh, which I hadn't quite finished. And I definitely walked away from the experience thinking, oh my goodness, do I believe in aliens now? <laughs> I'm still not sure if I do, but there was certainly a period of time after I read it where I was uh, extraordinarily persuaded. And I think, I still think, something is happening. It, I think there is no doubt that it is either one of those three things that you've just laid out, Mark. There's something happening. Yeah. It's either a hoax, a really big, really sophisticated hoax, um, or there are actual things, there are actual things happening. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty intense, really interesting yeah. piece of journalism, I think. And he does treat it like serious journalism and he is a serious journalist. Yeah. And I think that where he kind of ultimately winds up isn't, isn't in that place where you would expect this book to go, uh, where it's like, oh, aliens exist. But it's more like, clearly there are people alive today who know a lot more about this than they're letting on. And clearly a lot of laws have been broken to maintain whatever this is. And something, something needs to happen uh, for there to be answers for it. And clearly there is now some kind of drip feed of information coming out for some purpose. Um, around this, so I, I just you know I find I find that really fascinating and kind of creepy. Yeah. And, and he talks a lot about of, the the sort of ahead. sense of how the U.S. Uh, 
that, that, that all of this stuff is coming, is starting to come out and that for years and years, decades, we have had this cultural reaction to people talking about UFOs that is immediately we're supposed to laugh at it, at people who believe in it, laugh at people who've experienced anything. And, and he said, unlike all other types of journalism, if you can get 300 people together who all saw the same thing and, it, and that thing is a UFO, we're all supposed to just say they're all crazy. But with any other experience in, in either history or journalism, when you get the same people saying the same things, you don't, you don't assume that they're all lying or crazy or stupid. Um, I thought that was very compelling. Can I ask two yeah, questions? Absolutely. Two questions. Interesting, because I'm taking this down from my partner. He is a full junkie for this stuff and space and all that kind of stuff and, and UFOs and conspiracy theories. So this is this is awesome. Thanks, Mark. But one question, do, do they own, does he only um, sort of cover US records? Like the US is the only country that has been either approached by aliens or has any sort of, or does he sort of touch on that, you know, there's other governments or places on the earth? Like, you know how in, in like, uh, uh, you know, movies, apocalypse movies, um, you know, um, mm you know, the asteroid hits the US, you know, the, the terrorist attack is on, like everything is based around the United States. Like there's no other place on this whole planet. That he, he, covers, he covers the whole world. The whole covers, world, right, okay. Uh, the US, I mean, there's definitely a US spin on it because I guess there's just more documentary evidence and also the current leak, the current leaks and uh, like announcements are coming out of the US. But um, he, he has talked to people all over the world um, in Russia, Europe, Australia, um, huh? they have, been, and he yeah. covers events. He covers events all over the world. Um, and in the podcast I did with him, he, he talked about uh, how a lot of them are clustered around nuclear facilities. A lot of the sightings around the world, um, either nuclear power or nuclear um, missile um, launching places. So there's, and there's a, there's been an increase since basically since the nuclear age i think uh, that's that's the feeling um, and I, don't, is, I don't know if that is like this is the thing it's very creepy when you and start it, considering it, what that means does he does he cover the the whole like the, the, you know how the argument is that you know the, the the universe is you know 14 billion years and there is billions and billions of planets like it that the, the unlikelihood of aliens existing or extra other life as we know existing is is of not existing is very low. Like they do exist. It's just, they're so far away. We'll never reach them, see them, know of them. So what is he implying is that no, they've actually come in contact. He, he, he doesn't, I don't think he compelling a compelling argument about the, for the fact that it's definitely aliens. I don't think he tried. I, there is definitely, there are stories throughout the book that are really creepy about things that have happened um events and he, he covers more than just he co covers more than just craft um he also looks into like um cattle mutilation and crop circles and stuff as well um so some of that stuff is very creepy but i don't think he ultimately falls on the side of like oh it's definitely aliens um yeah and that's because that he's he's a he's a an investigative journalist and he can only go where the where the story <laughs> takes him and just because of the nature of the stuff that's being declassified and the people that he talks to not wanting to go on record about certain things, he can't definitively give an answer as to what it is other than to just say, this thing isn't a myth. Like there's definitely something to it and there's definitely something happening. 
but he doesn't kind of go into like oh it's definitely like aliens from like you know vega or whatever it's still really good if if uh yeah if your partner loves that type of stuff that there's no way that they're not gonna love this book it's amazing yeah I, I, and then, again i'm waiting for the link afterwards and i'm just gonna yeah. pop in it and then i just wanted to really quickly touch on another book that i just started which is very similar genre. And I think Zia, you're gonna love this one as well. Um, so this is by an astrophysicist by the name of Abby Loeb. And the book is called Extraterrestrial. And it is um, the story of, um, uh, I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation, so I apologize in advance, but it's the story of Oumuamua, which is a bizarre object that was detected by asteroid spotting telescopes back in 2017. This was in the news, but it may have, it may have kind of not been headline news at the time, but it was the first confirmed sighting of an object from interstellar space in our solar system. So, you know, they, they spotted this object they could tell from its trajectory and its speed that it had come from outside the solar system and was and was passing through. So everyone just thought it was a piece of like space debris or like a rock or an asteroid or something. But as they started to look at it, um, they realized that there was a lot of strange things going on with it and a lot of very bizarre readings. Now, it was only tracked for 11 days because it was going so fast and um, it's kind of on its way out of the solar system now. But he makes the argument that um, that he thinks that it was the first evidence that we've had of intelligent life outside the solar system. He's making the argument that this thing was a relic of some kind of civilization. And I'm only about halfway through it and he's just kind of building his case now, but basically he's, he's taken apart all of the arguments around it being a comet or it being an asteroid. And the bit that I've just read, which is probably the most convincing part is that it changed course when it got close to the sun some kind of force acted upon it to make it change change the course that it should have been heading in and they have no idea what it was um and it shouldn't have done that and then just like things like it 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 wasn't as hot as it should have been um it wasn't moving in a way that it normally would have its shape was really really strange they didn't get a clear photo of it but from the readings that they got it was either really elongated and cigar shaped or it's shaped like a pancake which is like not not shapes that naturally occur um, or that, that, that has ever been observed occurring in like natural objects in space. So there's just quite a few questions around it. And like, I, I'm not sure how he's going to make kind of the convincing argument that it is a relic of, of, of another civilization, but I love the romantic idea of it being like debris from some kind of alien race that's passed through the solar system on its way somewhere. It's a real life science fiction novel, in other words. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Mark, exactly. Like you're cradling the book to your chest when you were just like, the romantic idea of life beyond <laughs> It's Rendezvous with Rama for real life. <laughs> yeah, Rendezvous with Rama for real life. And like yeah. no conventional spacecraft is now going to be able to catch up with it. So we might not know for another few generations what it actually was, but you know, I like the idea that in like a hundred years, we'll have some kind of drive that can get us, get us close enough to it that we'll be able to like definitively say, oh, it was just a rock or like, or, you know, I was telling my daughter about it yesterday. Um, and she was saying that um, maybe in a hundred years time, they'll build a spaceship and they'll go and they'll land on it and they'll open it up and they'll discover that inside is just full of poop. <laughs> <laughs> Probably what's going to happen, Mark. That sounds you, pretty yeah. good. Did that, did that make you cry, Mark? <laughs> 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 oh, 
<laughs> you know what? You know what? You should get your daughter for Christmas the full collection of Neil deGrasse Tyson. The universe is it the universe? The one he did? Universe? I'm trying yeah. to remember. Cosmos? Cosmos? Oh yeah, Cosmos. Yeah, Cosmos, Cosmos. That's yeah. it. Yeah, Cosmos. Cosmos. That's it. I think that's that. It's gonna. Your punishment is you must watch this. <laughs> <laughs> full of poop. I'll show you. <laughs> Well, Great doctor, by the way. Now that we've started talking about poop, I think we need to wrap up the book talk. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Because <laughs> we're clearly in a silly frame of mind, uh, which is perfect for a book fight. So, yes, it is time for book fight, our weekly book trivia quiz. Um, as usual, I'll be asking some tricky bookish questions, and you'll all have to battle it out to get the correct answer in first. Can I please have all your buzzer words? Aliens. Mark. Aliens? Yep. Joel? Uh, I believe. Zia? Cosmos. <laughs> Very spicy, I love it. Um, I'm just going to warn you now, none of the questions have anything to do with space. So. <laughs> I'm you know, probably going to get zero points on this one. God. Listen, there are eight Mark and Joel, like, there are no scary questions that like, you need to really think hard about. Um, I've learnt my lesson. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> let's go. Let's get into it. Question one. Uh, which of these books was the 2020 CBCA Book of the Year for Older Readers? Was it A, The Boy Who Steals Houses by C.G. Drews? Was it B, This Is How We Changed the Ending by Vicki Wakefield? Or C, Ghost Bird by Lisa Fuller? Cosmos. Yes, there. B. C? Yes, B, C. <laughs> Wait, what's your answer? <laughs> C, I'm just trying to get in. I'm, I've got one in chance because I have no idea. I'm going to say C. You are incorrect. It's not Ghost Bird by Lisa Ford. Mm. That is very cool. Does anyone else want to help? Yes, Mark. B. You are correct. This is how we oh, just... I'm pointing at Mark and make, in a very threatening way. Did you just guess, Mark? I think you just guessed. No, no, I knew that. I knew that one. Yeah. Because she was also shortlisted for, shortlisted or longlisted for the Stella Prize the same year. Vicky Wakefield. So that's one for Mark. All right. Question two. I enjoyed this one. True or false? Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien was known to dress up as an axe-wielding Anglo-Saxon warrior and chase his neighbours down the street. Cosmos. True. Right, was that... Please tell me that's true. No, I said true. Tell me it's true. I think it's true. It is indeed true. Like you can't think of orcs and, and that he, Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. He was really yeah. into like... Uh, really going to be into it to think that up. So yes, that's Viking, totally Viking stuff. Mm. Really, really but, Which it. you could tell. You could tell from the, 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 the movies and the books and stuff. So yeah, there you go. One for me. Suck it, guys. I'm on the tally board. <laughs> <laughs> Question three. What is the title of the upcoming mystery novel by British comedian Richard Osman? I believe. Yes, Joel. Oh, God. Oh, God. I forgot. <laughs> uh, is it Thursday Murder Club or is it the previous one? That's the that's series. The previous one. I think that's the first book, yeah. What, do you know what the second book's called? I, 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 I've lost it. Sorry. Right. No. Marcus, do you want to jump in? Are you going to let me Google? 
No. <laughs> then no, I'm um, not going to jump in with. I... I, I, I noticed on our website the other day there was an error. We had miscategorized Beautiful World, Where Are You? as Thursday Motor Club book two. So I'm going to say, Beautiful World, Where Are You? It's fixed now. <laughs> Actually, I think I... <laughs> is it... Oh, I remember that, actually. Is it the, um, is it the man who died twice? Died you are correct, Paul. It's twice. Twice, yeah. <laughs> And I know you didn't Google uh, that because I could see your hands the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I will allow it. I saw your hands too, Joel. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone has yeah. to do book fight like this. Yeah. <laughs> From now on. <laughs> that, that might not be a bad idea. Particularly when some people are, are on the board. Anyway, <clears throat> question four. <laughs> there, there are 14 books in the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan. How many of them did he write? Aliens. I believe. Mark, I heard you first. Uh, I think he wrote 11. You're correct. That was my, that was yeah. my guess, the too. Three, <laughs> yeah, the other three were written or completed by Brandon Sanderson um, after Robert Jordan passed away, which is very sad. But yeah. Um, I think they've released the first look at the Amazon series, um, The Wheel of Time. Yeah, I've, like, I've watched some of those clips. Yeah. There, there was a new still um, released with like all of the cast. It looks very cool. Oh, cool. Maybe this is where I get into Robert Jordan. Question I reckon five. that um, Brand, sorry, just, just tangent for a second. <gasps> I reckon um, Brandon Sanderson should just uh, should just finish um, Song of Ice and Fire. You should just do it. Like, not even ask for wow. fire It's like, I'm doing it. I'm just stepping yeah. in here. No one's ever said that before, ever. Especially not on this podcast. <laughs> oh. You got your sassy pants on today. Hey, I'm allowed. You're winning. All right. Question five. Name the book that this famous last sentence is from. After all, tomorrow is another day. Uh, aliens. Yes, Mark? Uh, uh, Gone with the Wind by Margaret Mitchell. You are correct. Gone with the Wind mm. is the correct answer. Haven't read it, but I've seen the film. <laughs> yeah. That was going to be one of my clues, like my hints, if it didn't, if you all like blanked. It was, like, it was made into a famous film with Vivian Lee. Anyway, question six. In which borough of New York is Colson Whitehead's new novel set? Uh, I believe. Joel? <laughs> Oh, Borra. Yeah. Harlem? In, yes, no. you're correct. <laughs> I was like... Because the is called I, Harlem. Like, is Harlem a Borra? <laughs> or, or is Harlem just... I'm sure it is. I'm going to Google that now. There's it's five boroughs of New York. There's... Yeah, no, it's not. It's Manhattan. Queens, Queens, Harlem. Well, no, it's a neighbourhood. My bad. Yeah. Harlem is in Manhattan, I believe. So... Mine, I'm very sorry to anyone that's from New York and listening to this. I just assume. <laughs> Clearly, it's on the lower west side. Can't be on the upper east side. It's like the far up, isn't it? Where is Harlem? It's 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 Harlem is up up the Manhattan Island, but it's 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 like half, halfway up the island on the on the east side. Um, but it's in Manhattan, I believe. So I think the I got it. The Bronx is a borough. <laughs> the Bronx. Either way, isn't it? I meant neighborhood. Joel is still correct. I'm still going to hear that. I don't, I don't oh think God. that should be counted. I, I heard borough and I'm only thinking of boroughs. So <laughs> just saying. 
to make totally things joking. interesting, I will give half a point to Zia. <laughs> <laughs> guys, that's the only way I get on these tally boards. You guys do that by, by cheating and, 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 and being a pain in the butt. <laughs> no, I fully take that because that was my fault. I assumed that they were all compliments. Anyway, <laughs> question seven. Which famous children's writer reportedly disliked children? I believe. Joel. Is it C.S. Lewis? No, it's not mm. C.S. Lewis. Cosmos. Okay. Hans Christian Andersen. No, not Hans Christian Andersen. <laughs> I completely choked on that. No, it's not Hans Christian Andersen. Uh, uh, Elias. Yeah. Was it Morris Sendak? No. Oh, I, I believe. Was it Dr. Zeus? No, it was not Dr. Zeus. <laughs> that would be very, like, I would not, I would believe that. Interesting. I believe it would roll down, maybe. Uh, the correct answer is Enid Blyton. Oh. Mm. Hmm. Apparently didn't like kids, according to various writings of people that knew her. All right. Question eight. This is the last question worth one point. So by the time everyone is hearing this, Book Week 2021 will have started. What is this year's theme? Aliens. Mark? Book? Is Books? It, is it aliens? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I... it's not aliens, but it's kind of along that path. I, I just said books. <laughs> so, yeah, I heard like, that next Using it to make a terrible joke. I apologize. Space. Zia? New, new world. They're not aliens, so it's definitely zombies. <laughs> no, zombies is not the theme of Book Week 2021. Mm. Damn it. One day I will get my wish. One day. Do we all give up? Yes. Yes. Uh, the theme is old worlds, new worlds, other worlds. I'm oh. sure aliens can count in there somewhere. But yeah. Uh, so, so when you say Book Week has a theme, is that like? That's just kind of the focus theme. of the like. Yeah, uh, it's like this like like year, Brave New World, a little bit of Huxley, a little bit like Orwell, that old kind world, of stuff. Old World, New World, Other World focus. basically means everything. Everything. To be fair. <laughs> Guys, before we finish, can I just chime in? The five boroughs of New York, as Google says, Brooklyn, Manhattan, <laughs> Queens, and Staten Island. <laughs> so there we go. Well, it doesn't matter, Z, because neither you or Joel won. Mark was the winner this week. Again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> By one point. So the scoreboard was zeros on one and a half. I'm just going to upgrade <laughs> that to because you were correct. So Z and Joel were on two points, and Mark was on three. That is not my finest moment as a host of Book Fight, but I think we all know my friends. I always appreciate how kind you are to, to me because I am so rubbish at this game. Um, you, you are the best to me. Mark, on the other you hand, always say you're rubbish. So you hard. always say you're rubbish to you, but you often beat me. No, 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 but I, I, only because I cheat and be a pest, to be honest. <laughs> You were technically right. I'm, again, I am very sorry to any New York natives who are listening to this and getting very, very offended. 
It's okay. It I lived in Canada for 11 years, live, and uh, people used to be like, oh, is Sydney the capital of, of, of Australia? It's okay. North Americans, they can handle it. They dish it out. That's they can. True. That's true. <laughs> but anyway, you can make up for it by reading Harlem Shuffle by Collison Whitehead, which is a great book. And I loved it a lot. And it's out in September or October. I can't remember. Either way, it's out at the end of the year. All right, so we should probably look towards wrapping things up. But before we do, um, I would like to bring back something that we did on the Daily Booktopian, if any of you remember that. I'm, I know Nick does because it was the bane of his life every day was having to edit those. Uh, but way back in 2020, we would go around and share one thing this week that was bringing us joy. Um, because there's not a lot of joy going around at the moment. So I'll start. Um, Last night I watched the first episode of The Pursuit of Love, which is the new adaptation of the book by Nancy Mitford. Um, it's helmed by the actress Emily Mortimer, and she's in it, but it also stars Lily James and Emily Beecham um, and Dominic West. Uh, it's kind of gorgeous. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's got similar vibes to Autumn de Wilde's adaptation of Emma, but also a little bit of um, Sophia Coppola's Marie Antoinette. Um, it's got a really cool soundtrack. Um, it's modern. I'm only one episode in. I think there are three of them. But anyway, it's out on Amazon Prime, and I do recommend it. Thea, what's been bringing you joy this week? Um, something that's not very book-related, but I actually... Um, it doesn't have to be book-related. Okay, good. So, um, again, I've mentioned in the beginning I'm in a lockdown LG, have been there for a very long time. I'm a single mum of two, and it's absolutely excruciatingly hard right now but what I've done is I went and um, I've ordered um, a few things and I'm sending little goodie packs to some close friends that I know are doing it tough like me and it's making me feel really good and I get to go to the post office because it's essential when, when, it's probably when, should I expect, when should I expect it to arrive here no <laughs> Olivia what's your address Mike you get nothing <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm just sending a few friends some packages and some like little notes of support and I feel good about that because, yeah, I think it's because uh, a, lot, a lot of co-workers in the last couple of weeks um, have shared, like have sent me stuff and it just made me so feel so nice on days that have been really, really sad. So, you know, giving it forward, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's making me feel really lovely. I love that. Joel, what about you? Uh, uh so many different things <laughs> no no it really hasn't been <laughs> um i think uh this is not not necessarily that helpful because um i did it i'm not in a uh a, a lga of concern so i was able on the weekend before they shut things down more tightly to go more than five kilometers from my home and i went on a bushwalk in uh sydney in Walla creek which is still a pretty built-up area um, on the recommendation of uh, a colleague and this place that I went to is bushwalk with the kids with I've got a three-year-old and a six-year-old so they're not very um, they, they can't walk that far so it's a very short book bushwalk which was great on its own but then about halfway through the bushwalk uh, there was this racket from the trees really really loud sounds and I heard and then there was a sign thankfully that explained that it's a, it's a colony of fruit Bats that live that like roost there in along this bushwalk there must have been like a thousand fruit bats and i wasn't expecting it at all i just was expecting it to be a little walk in the bush and that's it so it was one of those moments of like genuine awe like i hadn't i've never seen that many fruit bats in one place before uh and i loved it it was amazing and it gave me life for the weekend still feeling very tired and over it now but 
But, <laughs> if you live in an area that has a lot of fruit bats, the novelty wears off very quickly. But yeah, yeah I mean, they, they, fly over, they fly over me all the time at the house. It's mm. different to having them. But if they, I don't know, seeing that a lot of them very close together, very, very, uh, and especially watching it through the eyes of little kids who are really excited by things like that. It's just a, it's a really, that was really nice. So I recommend going out in nature, maybe seeing some animals if you can. That's pretty amazing. I saw a red-bellied snake last week uh, doing a walk as well. And it was the, I've lived in Australia. How did walk? Doesn't have any legs. Pardon? I was out on a walk. <laughs> Funny. I was out on a walk and it's the first snake that I've seen in Australia since I've moved to Australia in 2004. And like out in nature, clearly I don't go out much, but um, it was the first one and I was like taking photos and I uploaded it to our little, you know, Australian walkers, a little colleague sort of walking initiative. I was so excited and showed the kids. But yeah, you're right. Like you see things and it's little, but it does make a difference. It really does. Mm. Mark, what about you? What's been bringing you joy? Um, my children. Um, no. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, no, I got um, a little while ago, I got um, the vinyl um, 10th anniversary edition of Bonobo's album, Black Sands. And it's a beautiful two disc set. The vinyls are red, which is which are just beautiful. And I've been listening to that lately um, when I finish work in the evenings. And it's a nice way to unwind. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're not familiar with Bonobo, I urge you to check him out because he's awesome. Thank you. I might, I might just do that. Um, well, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks so much, guys, for joining me. Um, this has been really fun. Um, it's always good when there's... How dare you message go off? Um, <laughs> no, it's always nice to get a good chat in um, that's work-related, but technically not. Um, so thank you guys for joining me. Um, and thank you all to our wonderful listeners who tune in week after week. Uh, you can find all of the books we've discussed today in the description box below, so be sure to check them out. They're all available from booktopia.com.au, uh, but we do encourage you to show your local bookstore some love if there's one that you absolutely adore. Uh, the Weekend Booktopian is produced by Nick Wasiliev, and you can find more episodes of this show, as well as other fun podcasts, on our SoundCloud and Apple Podcast channels. And don't forget, you can also find more fun bookish content on our blog, The Booktopian. Thanks for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.